Perspective? Ready for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration? Then don't touch that dial. Welcome to Talk with Francesca. She'll give you something to talk about all week long. Now, here's Francesca. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with Francesca. I'm your host, and I am certain by the end of this hour, you're going to know a little bit more than you do now, so don't touch that dial. If you're new to the show, I'm going to go over a few things that you want, might want to know. You can email me at info at Talk with Francesca if you need to reach me. And if you miss part of the show, you can go to my iTunes page where you can also listen to hundreds of other episodes of Talk with Francesca. This show is sponsored by Terramia Restaurante in the North End, when you will only accept the absolute best in Italian food, great service, and an intimate setting. Terramia is your go-to spot. I know it because it also happens to be my favorite. And there's parking. And don't forget to tell them that I sent you. All right, we've got a very hot and juicy topic this evening on Talk with Francesca. When it comes to sex and relationship problems, yes, you heard me right, there are just too many leading, li- too many leading lives of quiet desperation. Sometimes you can be lying in bed next to someone and feel a million miles apart. And the problem is talking about sex and relationships It's hard, but being silent can be even harder in the long run. As Tennessee Williams wrote of the marriage bed in his play, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, when a marriage goes on the rocks, the rocks are there, right there. All right then, Dr. Ian Kerner is one of the most recognizable voices in clinical sex therapy, and his focus is to help individuals and couples get rid of the rocks and smooth out the sheets. So a little bit about Dr. Kerner. He is a New York Times bestselling author. His newest book, So Tell Me About the Last Time You Had Sex, is a must read. His last book was She Comes First. Uh, That was a New York Times uh, bestseller as well. Dr. Kerner is regularly quoted as an expert in various media with recent features in The Atlantic, The New York Times, The Economist, and NPR. I, I mean, I could go on all day with, with his uh, biography. It's amazing. He contributes regularly on the topic of sex for CNN Health. He lectures frequently on topics related to sex and relationships with recent presentations at New York University, Yale, and Princeton. And again, he is the New York Times bestselling author of She Comes First. Oh, I like that title. Thrilled to have you with us tonight, Ian. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Francesca. Happy to be here. So, um, well, you have a fun job, or do you? <laughs> Uh, well, it is, it, it, it's fun, and it's uh, challenging, yeah. and it keeps me on my toes, because sex is fabulously and beautifully complex, yeah. so uh, it keeps me thinking. So your book titles are so provocative, She Comes First, and now your newest book, so tell me about the last time you had sex. Um, well, first of all, well, we won't talk about the, the, the other book, we'll talk about the one that you just wrote. What made you choose that title? Well, 
Francesca, the book could not be titled anything other than So Tell Me About the Last Time You Had Sex, because that is the question I ask all of my sex therapy patients, all of my new patients in the first session. Once I've learned a little bit about the issue that's brought them in, and there's usually a, a range of issues I'm working with, from desire discrepancy to sexual function issues to just uh, pleasure issues and trauma, you name it. Um, once I understand the problem, I will always ask them, so tell me about the last time you had sex, because I want to get a sense of how the problem unfolds and how sex happens sort of in action. And I believe that every sexual event tells a story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And there's a, a narrative. There's a sequence of interactions that are physical, emotional, and psychological. And so underneath the sexual event is what I call the sex script mm -hmm. of sort of what happened, what was thought, what was felt. It's a whole world unto itself, and I want to help couples rewrite their sex script. So that simple question, and it is a simple question, um, at least to the people sitting on the other side, you know, sitting on the couch, but, but it's complex underneath. Mm -hmm. So is it when you ask that question, is it usually a long time that the couple has not <laughs> had sex? <laughs> yeah, well, the question itself is definitely a little provocative. Uh, most of the time, people can't really remember the exact time. So if I'm working with a couple, they'll be arguing and uh, debating it a little bit. Was it really two weeks or a month or uh, a year? And some couples prior to sex therapy uh, try to have sex just so that they, I guess, they feel like they're being good patients. Um, yeah, <laughs> patients. You know, it sounds kind of funny when you think about a patient, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I think that sex ruts, especially during um, this age of COVID for the last year or so, have uh, really proliferated. So for a lot of couples, it has been a long time. Why do you think that it is so hard to talk about sex? I'm going to tell you what. Even putting it on my Facebook page is like, ooh, you know, I start thinking... <laughs> You know, like yeah. some of, you know, what about my advertisers or, you know, you know, mm -hmm. you know, it, and immediately I start feeling like, you know, who's going to say what? Who's going to think what? And I'm like, what am I ashamed of over here? You know what I mean? And it's 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 just it, so there there's a, a real stigma, I think. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, I really, really think there is, um, you know, I remember dare I say this on the air, God knows what's going to come of this. But <laughs> but I, this was a long, long, long time ago. I'm talking like probably 30 years ago. And uh, I was working in a company and um, th th was, there were, we were all women, right? Like five of us. And the topic of self-pleasuring came up. And mm -hmm. these women were like, what? No. You know, like it was such a bad thing. And I, I I just never forgot that day. I just thought it was, and I thought to myself, oh, well, I'm glad that that's not my issue. Um, you know, I just thought it was, it was a very, very funny. But I mean, I think that, you know, there is such a stigma about talking about it, getting help around it. Uh, and yet it's, you know, it's such an important, it's as important in your life as, 
is eating and drinking water and sure. being happy and sure. having couples, fun. You know, couples therapists love to say that uh, when you have a good, good working relationship uh, and sex is working, it's only 20% of a relationship. But when sex isn't working, it's 100% of the relationship. And I think that people really do uh, ruminate and live those lives of quiet desperation uh, when they're not um, sexually connecting. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm always seeing new patients. My schedule is always full, and I honor sexuality. So I can tell you that people come in wanting to talk about it, but you're right. Many um, have not, and many blush, and there's a shame factor. And uh, I think that there's a lot of factors. I think the main factor is that, um, you know, we're often raised in uh, what I would consider to be sex-avoidant homes, sex doesn't get talked about. Uh, sex-negative homes, where uh, sex is treated as something, uh, you know, to walk on eggshells around, or it's treated as something shameful. I mean, very few of us were really raised in um, sex-positive homes, where, you know, sex was talked about the way anything else would be talked about to a child who's growing up and is trying to make their way into life in the world. So I think most of us really never get any kind of... Um, positive modeling or mirroring mm, for how to have these conversations, and we literally don't really have uh, the vocabulary. So it does not have to be a taboo topic. It just is. It doesn't have to be any different than talking about in-laws or right. real estate or child care or anything else that you talk about, um, but it is. And uh, trust me, once I get a couple in here and we start talking, um, it becomes um, it becomes pretty easy. Um, so it's sort of also about breaking the ice. And, you know, in terms of your story, yes, there's uh, there's been a history of shame and, and stigma around sex. I, I will but why? say that at least uh, where I live and, and operate and see my patients, there, there's a lot of sex positivity in the air. So a lot of women especially are coming in wanting to uh, enjoy sex and reclaim pleasure, both with their partners and, and with themselves. So I think that there's a lot more uh, positivity in the air, and I think people are willing to honor the importance of sex in their lives and in a relationship. So do you think that all relationships ultimately have sexual problems? Uh, do I think that all relationships have sexual problems? Well, what I would say is I think that sex really changes over the life cycle. Uh, I've been married for 20-plus uh, years, and uh, I wouldn't say that my wife and I have sexual problems uh, at all. Of course, I am a sex therapist, and I write these books, <laughs> but our sex life has certainly changed over the life cycle from when we were, you know, in our, our late 20s and early 30s to now. Mm -hmm. um, so... Uh, you don't have to have a problematic sex life, but you certainly have to be a little flexible and resilient and, and have some grit. And definitely the way you can have sex at 20 is not necessarily the way you'll want to have sex or can have sex at 40. Mm -hmm. And so if you're stuck in a, a model of what sex should look like or you have a particular idea about what sex should be and it's a rigid idea, yeah, then sex is going to become a problem at right. some point. But uh, if you kind of embrace the unknown and you embrace the humanity of sex, uh, like you would so many other aspects of life and, and changing and aging, then you don't have to have a problematic sex life. And there are plenty of couples who never come to my office because they're capable of talking about sex with each other or adapting. Uh 
this is just a, a random thought, and it's just my thought, but I feel that couples who have who even have issues in their relationship, however, do not have sexual issues. So they have a great sex life. I believe those people never, their their marriages or relationships go on forever. Is that just my imagination, or do you think that's true? Well, so you're saying that people who have positive sex lives, even if, they're ha- even if they have difficult relationships, that's right. that they hang in there for the long haul? Yep. Is that sort of what you're... Yep, that's what I think. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree, Francesca, and I think that's very wise and insightful because most people would say, oh, you have to have a great relationship to uh, have a good sex life, and if something's wrong with your sex life, look to the relationship. And, and I think that we can look at sex as sort of its own mm-hmm. planet. And, you know, study after study has shown that couples who have a healthy sex life have higher levels of relationship positivity overall than couples who do not have sex even once a week. So, definitely. Um, yep. I, I, so I, I definitely, sex, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. We need to take a short break, Ian, but when we come back, I'd love it if you could give us a sex script that was wrong and how you helped the couple get it right. So, Marinette and that, list, sure. listeners, we will be right back. This is life, don't listen. I appreciate you hanging out with me. More talk on the way here on 95.9 WATD. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617 723 6733 or visit us at You've made it through the winter and now it's time to make your yard come alive this spring. You need to get in touch with the professionals who can make that happen quickly and affordably. You need to visit saleenterprises.net. For simple cleanups and landscaping, visit saleenterprises.net. Upgrade your favorite spot in the backyard to have an inviting stone patio. Give your front walkway the character it deserves with a unique paver layout. SaleEnterprises.net can even create an eye-catching cobblestone masterpiece that will not only define your yard, but reduce watering and yard maintenance. You've probably already seen your neighbors getting a head start. Be sure to book your appointment today so you have more time to enjoy your new space. Visit SaleEnterprises.net. Your pets are family. Take your dog to the Dog's Den in Pembroke. Your furry friend will go from smelling crummy to yummy because Leah at the Dog's Den really cares. Whatever your pet's needs are, from dematting to extra scissoring, the Dog's Den in Pembroke has your furry friends covered. So call the Dog's Den today at 781-826-7008 or visit thedogsdengrooming.com. for more talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. And I am speaking with Dr. Ian Kerner. He is one of the most recognizable voices in clinical sexual therapy. He has written a book, So Tell Me About the Last Time You Had Sex. And that is the topic this evening on Talk with Francesca. So welcome back, Ian. Thank you, Francesca. So, all right, can you give us a sex script 
that was wrong and how you helped get have sure. helped the couple get it right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I'm going to use some language, the language of science, but, you know, we're going to have to talk about sex uh, fairly specifically for me to tell you a little bit about uh, what I did with a couple, but I'll, I'll try and keep it as radio-friendly as, uh, <laughs> as, as possible. Um, but, you know, uh, just recently, actually, this week, and we're only at Wednesday, uh, I saw a couple for... Uh, the first time, and uh, they have been um, stuck in a sex rut for a while. They often uh, avoid sex. When they have sex, uh, it it doesn't work for either of them. Um, And so they're kind of uh, stuck in in a place where they're really feeling like if they don't get this figured out, they can't stay together. Um, you know, and as it turns out, they're, 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 they're a couple in their mid-30s, but they met young, and uh, they never really talked that much about sex, and they each had a very specific idea of what sex looked like, and, and that was a, an idea that's based on the idea that sex equals intercourse, right? Mm-hmm. So they really felt that unless you were having sexual intercourse, you're not having uh, sex. Um, and what started to happen was uh, it became clear to um, the husband that his wife wasn't always um, experiencing pleasure. And so he started to get a lot of, he start, started to feel a lot of pressure and anxiety. Uh, and he started to have ED, which is a really uh, psychological ED, which is a really common issue mm-hmm. for young men. So they weren't able to have sex uh in terms of what they thought sex should look like, uh, so they avoided it altogether. So um, I met with them, and, um, you know, we talked about, I talked about having to build in what I would call sort of an arousal runway. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. We might call it foreplay, or we might call it outer course as opposed to intercourse. But this was a couple that basically would just show up with an expectation um, that you should be able to have intercourse really pretty immediately. And believe it or not, that's an expectation that a lot of couples have. Um, So what I had to do is help them build sort of, and we're just starting this work, of build a little more of an arousal runway and start to engage in activities that actually can warm them up and, and cultivate arousal now to build that sex script, right? To restructure that sex script at the beginning, I kind of have to take sex as intercourse off the table for a little while. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, both of them are going to feel like feel a lot of pressure mm-hmm. around this. So we sort of remove the part of the sex script temporarily mm-hmm. that's causing all the pressure, mm-hmm. and then that allows us um, to focus on that, that early phase. Um, and this is a couple that really needs to learn how to... Um, how to sexually get in tune and get in sync and how to, how to feel connected with each other and, and be intuitive and learn to touch. But they also need, and this is a common problem that I see, Francesca, with almost all sex scripts that I work with, uh, especially uh, here in the U.S., is that for many people, a sex script is just a sequence of behaviors. And for heterosexual couples, it's often a sequence of behaviors that happen prior to the main event of um, of intercourse. And when you look at those behaviors, people often say, oh, this isn't working or this is boring. And that's often because there isn't what I would call any sort of erotic life. You know, the mm-hmm. sex script is sort of dehydrated of erotic life. And, and what I try and get a lot of couples to do is to create mind-based arousal, mm-hmm. psychological 
arousal and to infuse that into the sex script. For example, we know that um, there are women um, who can fantasize their way to orgasms without ever touching themselves. And, and actually, um, men don't respond quite as similarly, um, but they can get quite aroused without ever having any kind of touch. So I just want to emphasize mm-hmm. that there's a real power in psychological arousal mm-hmm. and bringing that into a sex script. Do you think that um, fantasizing about something totally different, like, you know, fantasizing that I'm having sex with Michael Douglas <laughs> in, a younger, uh-huh. in a younger day, <laughs> yeah. do, do you think uh-huh. that there's something like disconnecting about that? Like it almost kind of removes you from the person that you're with? Um. I actually don't, Francesca. Um, I'm a big fan of, again, psychological uh, arousal. I'm a big fan of fantasy. I think there's a difference between fantasy and reality. I think we have to allow our fantasy lives and our dream lives to be experienced. I think that they also come up during arousal. And I'll tell you something else that's really interesting um, about women. A lot of studies of the female brain during sexual arousal show that as women are getting more aroused, uh, that parts of the brain that are associated with anxiety and stress turn off. So for women, very often as the sexual brain is turning on, other parts of the brain are turning off. And a lot of women will fantasize during sex because that helps them to get into that kind of deactivated, Mm -hmm. trance-like, sexual place and sort of let go of the outside world. So I think fantasy provides a very valuable function to ourselves and to partnered sex. And um, I don't think we should try and censor our fantasies. Now, we should try and control our behaviors, um, but fantasies aren't behaviors. Now, if somebody feels that their fantasies are problematic, we'll discuss that and we'll work with it. Um, But I only trouble trouble when trouble troubles somebody. You know, I'm not looking for problems. Uh, And I think that fantasy... Fantasies are our allies more than they are our enemies or problems. Mm-hmm. So, so back to this this couple because I kind of veered off a little bit. So, are they on the right track? Do they have a new script that's working for them now? Well, I only met with them once. So oh, okay. You asked me, and it's, they're fresh in my mind. But in general, uh, yes, this is a, it's a great way of working with couples because at the end of the session, we will always sort of look at, well, where, where are you in the sex script? Some couples can't get going. They just can't make desire happen, or they experience desire at different times, or it feels like one person is really tuned out. So sometimes we have to address the sex script from that very first moment of initiation and desire. Sometimes couples are able to get going, but then one cup, one partner gets left behind in sort of that arousal um, roller coaster. Sometimes someone experiences some trauma or mm-hmm. some kind of um, panic or anxiety. So w- working in this way, I will always target the first issue in the sex script that needs to sort of be unblocked and worked with. And I'll give the couple a homework assignment. And I don't see couples every week. I see them in terms of sex therapy. I see them every two to three work, 
two to three weeks, excuse me, because I really want them to do the homework assignment uh, in between. And then they'll come back and they'll bring a lot of great information. This worked, this didn't work. Or, you know, we feel like this part of the sex script really is working. Or we improvised within the sex script and came up with this, which is also Mm -hmm. fabulous. So um, I find that this process which I discuss in detail in the book, because what I really wanted to do with the book is sort of make it, like, I know people can't come see me, and I know that a lot of people can't even get to a sex therapist. Um, And then if they get to a sex therapist, it's not necessarily my methodology, and every sex therapist is different. So I really wanted to create a book that would walk people through the process of rewriting their own sex scripts as though they were working with me in the office. So, yeah, and this is obviously the premise of your work is a sex script, and I kind of glanced over it. So uh, let's really talk about what that really means when you talk about a, a sex script, because I know you have like a beginning, a middle, and an end. So so let's really define for our listeners what that really means. Sure. So as I said earlier, like every sexual event tells a story. And when I'm working with a patient or a couple, I'm interested in their sex life and action. And couples come in, it's kind of like going to the dentist. Like often they're in pain. They've waited too long and they just want to get out of pain. So I have this sort of way of working that also I can work rather quickly with couples. And basically a sex script is sort of, hey, what happened in your last sexual event? Um, who initiated? Um, were, you, did you, were you both interested? Was one partner more interested? Did sex begin from sort of a, what I would call a hot start, like you came in and you couldn't keep your hands off of each other, a warm start and that there was some like intimacy and connection and it felt like the natural thing to do or you wanted to do? Or was it sort of from a cold start where one or both of you really weren't that interested but you felt like you should for some reason mm-hmm. or other? So right. once And then once sex gets going, uh, how does a couple build arousal? How do they warm up? How do they get their um, their bodies filled with a kind of connection and arousal? What activities are they engaging in? How are they talking to each other? How are their sexual personalities coming through? Once they've started to build arousal, how do they really uh, increase and intensify that arousal so that they can get themselves to orgasm? And, you know, there's, this is another big area that's a difference between men and women. Men can go very quickly through the process of sexual response from pre-arousal to arousal to orgasm with healthy sexual function. And there is something that's called the plateau period, which is sort of the moments before orgasm when everything sort of comes to a sort of intense peak and then orgasm happens, for women, that plateau period is much longer than it is for men. So that's often where um, uh, a man and a woman in a heterosexual relationship uh, will cross paths and miss each other. Mm -hmm. So we also have to get that plateau period lined up with each other, and then who's having orgasm? And no wonder... Yeah, excuse me. I was just going to say, so no wonder you wrote that book, She Comes First. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Absolutely. She Comes First is uh, my little baby of a book. I love that book. It's uh, it's 20 years old, but it's still popular. And uh, I get uh, emails every day about it. And and the best emails that I get are from parents who give the book to either their sons to say, "Hey, hey, go out into the world and be a 
a good, respectful lover, or to their daughters to say, here's what you should expect. Eh. So I, I love when uh, parents and kids are communicating. Do you know Peggy Orenstein? You must. I do. Yeah. She, she must love your books. Anyway, I've interviewed her several times over the years. Anyway, we need to, we need to take another short break. Listeners, you got it. S- stay with us here. We will be right back. Talk with Francesca coming right up on 95.9 WATD. Tides is beachside dining at its best all year round. Located at the end of the Nahant Causeway, directly on Nahant Beach, the ocean views from the dining room in the pub can't be beat. Tides specializes in casual dining with food that's delicious, not pretentious. On a warm day, enjoy a frosty pint at their bar or their sun-drenched deck on Nahant Beach or enjoy an incredible meal in their dining room anytime. Tides guarantees you great atmosphere with superior service. The menu at Tides is full of fresh, high-quality seafood, prime rib, chicken, pasta, and pizza that everyone will love. Check out the drink menu at Tides for fun cocktails, 30 ice-cold beers on tap, and their well-rounded wine list with state-of-the-art tap wines. Tides is unbeatable anytime, summer or winter, lunch or dinner, rain or shine, visit tidesnahant.com. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant, yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing. And best of all, it's reasonably priced. The best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112. That's 617-523-3112. Or visit terramiaristorante.com. You need help around the house. You need a handyman. How do you find just the one you're looking for? Go to locally owned and operated handymanconnection.com. Handyman Connection puts you in touch with one of their carefully screened and background checked craftsmen. You get the best help around for maintenance, installation and remodeling services, carpentry, tiling and flooring, and assistance with aging in place upgrades to your home. Handyman Connection also provides you with free in-home estimates and a one-year written warranty on labor from one of their experienced professionals. Call 781-829-3030 or visit handymanconnection.com. Your connection to quality craftsmen on the South Shore. One call, one connection. Moving into your new home or office is easy when you trust the experienced professionals at ASAP Movers. If you're looking for dedicated movers who will take the stress out of your move, call ASAP Movers today at 857-928-3071. They move everyone in New England, both residential and commercial. ASAP Movers can even provide you with all the packing materials you need. So call now at 857-928-3071. You'll be glad you did. This is 
You're listening to Talk with Francesca. I'm Francesca Luca. The talk continues on 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back. And if you are just tuning in, we're talking to Dr. Ian, Ian excuse me, Kerner. He is a Sherlock Holmes of the bedroom, a sexual detective helping individuals and couples solve the mystery of their sexual distress. Welcome back, Ian. Thank you. Happy to be here. So expectations can be a real problem. Um, this is funny. Again, this was way back when I, I remember a girlfriend of mine at the time. I mean, a zillion years ago, she was living with this guy, and he, he had a calendar. And every night that they didn't have sex, he would write on the ca- calendar, "No sex." It was just like, like in her face, like you could tell that's really going to get her <laughs> excited and rumbling, right. right? But um, but expectations right. can be a real problem. And what do you recommend when there is a, a difference there? Well. Um, you know, that guy who wrote on the calendar, no sex, you know, that, that tells me something, right? It it tells me that he's certainly interested in sex and he has desire. It does not tell me that his partner does not have desire and is not interested in sex, but it also tells me that maybe they're in different desire frameworks, which is a common problem that I see where one partner, let's say the guy you just mentioned, he can kind of metabolize a sexual cue very quickly, right? He sees something sexy. Maybe it's his wife, or he has a sexy thought or memory. Uh, and it kind of triggers the arousal platform, and he's ready to go. It's like that cue gets gobbled up. It's like gas in the system, and he's, he's ready to roar and move a little bit, right? So that's what we call spontaneous desire or highly reactive desire. And... Um, in the early phases of a relationship, it's not uncommon for, for both partners to feel that way and to go through a little period of not being able to sort of keep their hands off each other. And, you know, certainly, uh, unfortunately, that's the way desire often gets depicted uh, in the media as this sort of uh, instant spontaneous chemistry. But it's really not uncommon in a relationship for... Um, you know, one partner to not respond to a single sexual cue in that way. Maybe a partner needs multiple sexual cues. Maybe a partner's desire is more um, vulnerable to the environment and to stressors in the environment, right? So it's very common for people to be in desire fr- different desire frameworks, and I work with couples to recognize those differences so that then they can share a, fr- uh, share, share a common framework. For example... What would happen if that guy who writes no sex down every night sort of just gave up, right? Well, that wouldn't be very good for that relationship. He has something that's actually we can reframe as pretty positive. He has a kind of natural, spontaneous, kind of innate desire. But rather than Well, I think he was 22. I said I think he was 22, so probably the, in the category of a horny, okay. horny well, teenager anyway. We, we could talk, <laughs> talk about sex and aging, but rather than writing no sex and guilting or shaming yeah. uh, his partner, yeah. I'd rather they kind of have a conversation and figure out how to, like, kindle a fire together. Yeah. Speaking of fires, this is a little off the beaten track here with this question, but I am curious. So when... Um, two people begin dating. I mean, there's a lot of dating that's going on, right? You know, I mean, it isn't just couples, mm-hmm. right? And they're, they're getting together. What Do you think that it is important um, in the early stages of a relationship that you have the super excitement towards someone in order to be compatible both 
well, in the relationship in general, but sexually in particular? Uh, I am going to say that I think that sexual chemistry, sexual attraction, thinking about your sexual selves uh, when you pick a partner, especially a partner that you're going to be monogamous with and maybe as a life partner, (laughs) I think that you have to... um, really be thinking about sex as well. And too many couples that I work with kind of left sexual attraction off the table or they didn't count it as much or they figured, hey, I had all that passion and fire in my last relationship and that was crazy and horrible and I just want stability. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that having that kind of chemistry and uh, energy between two people is really important. Now, it doesn't always lead to great sex, which I can work with. I could help couples develop that sex script and start talking to each other. Um, But I think you need to have some of that chemistry. And I think that sex is a glue in a relationship because relationships are really hard work. And I think sex helps, good, good positive sex helps bind us together. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Why do you think that, talking about relationships in general, why do you think couples stay in unsatisfying relationships? I I mean, I don't know if it's my imagination, but I'm going to say that um, I I know a lot about relationships. I actually used to own a dating service, so I've always been very, very curious about relationships. I'm going to say, and this number may seem high, but that like 75% of people are staying in dead-end crappy relationships. I mean, it just, it's its rare, actually, that I hear someone saying, like you just said, you know, that you, you have a good relationship. And that's great. And I mean, and I know there are some out there, maybe 75% is a little high, but I mean, I'm going to say that I, I think 50 or 60% anyway of people, at least that I know, they're in these dead-end relationships. There's just like the relationship's mm-hmm. no good. It's just like... They're 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 buddies basically. They're they're roommates. Yeah. They they you know and and I don't get it. I just don't get it. I yeah. I, I do well, not I'll, understand I'll, that. I, I don't get it either. People ex- listen. People exile their sexuality, mm-hmm. and then what do those exiles decide to do? In some cases, the exiles just like, well, this is it. I'll stay exiled. I'm going to shut it down, and uh, you know um, they kind of lose their sense of sexuality. Sometimes those exiles will. Uh, escape and go out and have affairs or get people into, um, you know, get people into trouble. Um, And, you know, sometimes today's couples, Francesca, I work with a lot of couples who signed up for monogamous relationships. The sex sort of isn't working, and they're actually considering what we would call consensual non-monogamy or opening the relationship up. And, uh, you know, um, it's it's kind of a, a cultural and a generational shift, but I, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. You do? Really? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, listen, I, I personally believe that uh, monogamy works if you're oriented that way and you find a partner and you're able to build an overall healthy relationship with a healthy sex life. But I think many couples find themselves in really good relationships but the sex isn't working. And so why throw the baby out with the bathwater? I think a lot of couples are thinking, let's, I mean, I can tell you, I work with a lot of young couples. They're married. Sometimes there's two kids and uh, they they don't want to keep working. The, The sex part isn't working and they decide to open up the relationship in some way and they make it work. Yeah. I, I, my guess is that there'd be more cheating than that happening. No. Absolutely. Of course. 
yeah. of course. It's but it's kind of a it's kind of a new wave, and I like it because um, there's honesty in it. I, I appreciate honesty wherever it is, and I don't like when people uh, go into kind of like an underground space and mm. and cheat or um, exile themselves. I'd rather have things. Uh, above ground and in the light of day yeah i know it seems like well i don't know this is my own personal opinion obviously but it would seem to me if you start in a a monogamous relationship and then all of a sudden shift that would be really i mean (laughs) it's sort of like a polyamorous relationship saying to your husband well i'm going out with my boyfriend tonight i'll be back at 11 (laughs) it just it just doesn't have that that ring i don't know maybe Maybe my age is showing. I don't know, but... uh... Uh, You know, and and my age, too, but I think it's a huge shift where couples are sort of going into relationships in the first place, feeling that, you know, they might be uh, non-monogamous or monogamy didn't work for their families or for their friends, so there's a kind of expanded expectation going in. But I think you're right. I mean, to me, people always say, like, what are you dealing with the most in your practice or what's changed? And things really do change over the years. And I have to say in the last few years, I'm seeing a lot of monogamously oriented heterosexual couples struggling with the fact that their sex life is dead and what to do about it and really contemplating non-monogamy rather than cheating. Hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. Liz, do we have to take a break? Two minutes. Okay, yeah, well, let's take let's take a break now then. Um, listeners, if you're struggling to make sense of your fickle sexual desires, dwindling desires, and disappointing sexual experiences, uh, you want to stay with us here, we will be right back. This is life, don't listen. I'm Francesca Luca, and you're listening to Talk with Francesca on 95.9 WATD. You need help around the house. You need a handyman. How do you find just the one you're looking for? Go to locally owned and operated handymanconnection.com. Handyman Connection puts you in touch with one of their carefully screened and background checked craftsmen. You get the best help around for maintenance, installation and remodeling services, carpentry, tiling and flooring, and assistance with aging in place upgrades to your home. Handyman Connection also provides you with free in-home estimates and a one-year written warranty on labor from one of their experienced professionals. Call 781-829-3030 or visit handymanconnection.com. Your connection to quality craftsmen on the South Shore. One call, one connection. Located in Boston's North End holds one of our best-kept secrets, Antico Forno, ranked number nine of the top ten Italian restaurants around the world within the category of being one of the most authentic. With a welcoming family feel, it's hard to argue the experience you have when enjoying dinner at Antico Forno. Best known for their brick oven pizza, their world-class traditional cuisine does not fall far behind. Come enjoy dinner at Antico Forno and feel like part of the family. Open daily from 11.30 a.m. until 10 p.m. Call us today at 617 723 6733 or visit us at anticofornoboston.com You've made it through the winter and now it's time to make your yard come alive this spring. You need to get in touch with the professionals who can make that happen quickly and affordably. You need to visit saleenterprises.net. For simple cleanups and landscaping, visit saleenterprises.net. Upgrade your favorite spot in the backyard to have an inviting stone patio. Give your front walkway the character it deserves with a unique paver layout. 
SailEnterprises.net can even create an eye-catching cobblestone masterpiece that will not only define your yard, but reduce watering and yard maintenance. You've probably already seen your neighbors getting a head start. Be sure to book your appointment today so you have more time to enjoy your new space. Visit SailEnterprises.net. Looking for an authentic Italian meal in an intimate setting? Then you might just want to venture out to Boston this weekend and dine at Terramia Ristorante, a true gem among all those rhinestones in Boston's North End. This cozy trattoria with stucco walls and beam ceiling specializes in creative interpretations of Italian classics. Like the cuisine here, the atmosphere is elegant, yet understated. Since opening in 1993, Terramia Ristorante has aimed to convince diners that there's always more to Italian food than just red sauce. Over the years, the innovative and beloved restaurant has done a great deal of convincing. And best of all, it's reasonably priced. The best-kept secret is worth the trip. Call 617-523-3112. That's 617-523-3112. Or visit terramiaristorante.com. Hey, this is James Woods, and you are listening to Talk with Francesca. On 95.9 WATD. All right, we are back, and I am speaking with Dr. Ian Kerner. He is one of the most recognizable voices in clinical sex therapy, and we are discussing his newest book. So tell me about the last time you had sex. It is a must-read. All right, I can't believe we're in the last segment, Ian, and we haven't talked about faking orgasms, right? I mean, I just like... I just, you know, it just it seems to be how can we have a show like this and, and not talk about that? Okay. Um, of course, that's that's the death of a relationship, in my opinion. Um, you know, I mean, it can bring but But what are your thoughts on that? Well, I agree. I mean, I told you I was working with a couple this week, and uh, in the beginning of the relationship, um, she, um, you know, faked uh, a lot of her pleasure. Um oh. A, because she sort of thought maybe that's what I'm supposed to do or maybe something's wrong with me if intercourse and sex isn't feeling that good and I want uh, my partner to feel good about uh, his his sexual abilities and, and the experience. And, you know, and it really came back to haunt them years later, you of know. Course, so I yeah. think... Um, I, I think you have to communicate, you have to give feedback, um, you have to let your partner in positive ways know what's working and what's not working, and it takes a little, look, it's like learning to dance. Why do we assume that we should automatically be able to, like, dance a, a tango together without having to, like, talk to each other about it and learn some steps? Um, you know, I could get a little more into... Um, biology and anatomy and the pleasure gap that sort of exists, uh, you know, between men and women. But I would say a lot of men um, don't really have um, a very accurate or realistic idea about female sexuality, uh, which hence my book, She Comes First, is is all about. And so, um, you know, it's about communicating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I just want to shift here a little bit and talk about COVID because, you know, when we're working, we're busy, we're stressed out. Of course, you know, we're not having sex, right? Who has time? But when you push together, you know, as in with COVID, you're kind of aware of the things that you're not doing. And sex is one of them for a lot of people. Um, the research from the Kinsey Institute found nearly half of surveyed adults reported their sex life declined during COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And shouldn't it be the other way around? No commute, hey. stay in bed longer, right? 
Yeah, Francesca, you and I are on the same page. When COVID first hit, like uh, mid-March, my, my phone went a little dead in terms of uh, new patients. And I thought, wow, this is okay. People are having sex, right? None of the old excuses like uh, the commute and dinner plans and too tired and we're on different schedules or we got to go see the, go, have, go to the barbecue, right? Boy, was I wrong. It took about a few more weeks, and uh, I've been seeing more couples than ever. They are feeling the lack of sex more intensely than ever because, like you said, during COVID, like, if you're not watching Netflix, then what are you doing on a Friday night date night, right? right. And if you're not having sex, you really notice it. Um, exactly. So, uh, you know, so a lot of, uh, a lot of couples are not. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, this is why I sort of said I'm like a Sherlock Holmes of uh, the bedroom because – Couples will come in and complain about they know what's happening, but they don't know why. And when you look at something like COVID, first of all, uh, we're not eating well, right? So our Mm. diets aren't Mm. as good. Uh, We're not exercising as Mm. much in many cases. We've gone back to smoking and drinking. All of that takes a toll on your sexual health. We're not changing out of our pajamas, you know? That's not sexy. Our self-esteem isn't high. And we're living on top of each other in very very predictable routines during COVID. Um, And predictability is kind of the enemy of mystery. And mystery is part of a good sex life. So talk more about that. Well, well, you know, I I think what what I mean to say is that you know, when we first meet someone and we're sort of falling in love with them and, and we don't know them, they're kind of a mystery to us. And there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to know and there's a, a sense of uh, expansiveness. And then gradually, even without COVID, we kind of fall into predictable relationships, dependable relationships. And relationships need to be dependable and predictable in order for them to function. But when a lot of people cheat, what they say is they're missing that initial excitement. They're missing that unpredictability. They're missing that fire. So sometimes being in a, in a really good, solid relationship slash partnership isn't always the best thing for your sex life. And that's why I, I spend a lot of time working with couples on how to have good relationships but sort of move into an erotic space or treat each other sexually in a way that might be a little different than how they're just going to communicate in their everyday lives. In, the book, in my new book, um, I talk a lot about maintaining the erotic thread between sexual events, keeping eroticism and sexuality uh, in the air in different ways. And I will 100% say it be, the longer you're in a good long-term relationship, Sometimes the harder that can be. So I agree that it's a challenge, but it's absolutely surmountable. Mm-hmm. What about um, sexual fantasies? You know, like one uh, one individual in the relationship, you know, wants to be able to act out a fantasy and the other just finds it like, oh, you know, so, so sort of vile, you know, like, what do you, yeah, how, how yeah. do you, you know, and, and um, I mean, how do you deal with that? Or, or, you know, and then there's the, the part that couples that have really kind of fallen out of love or one's fallen out of love and then the other, you know, and so now they don't want to have sex anymore. One doesn't want to have sex and the other does. Is it possible to, because we've talked a lot about, we're obviously talking about sex, but I mean, if you, you don't have, you know, a loving bond, really, um, 
you know, can, can you actually bring the sexual piece of the relationship back together? If, if, if the relationship itself is, is yeah. sort of damaged, like yeah. there's yeah. distrust or yeah. anger. Or yeah, exactly. I think All of that's that. Yeah. Hard. I, yeah. I think that's hard in a monogamous relationship. I think you can still have sex and sometimes, yeah. you know, couples right. will have sex even when they have bad relationships and it, it might feel connecting in the moment. But, uh, but a lot of couples will say, you know, there's also, it feels a little empty or mm. we still feel disconnected or sometimes the partner's surprised, hey, we had sex and, you're still angry at me. Um, so, you know, I, I do think that um, you need to have kind of a good enough relationship to support having uh, a good enough sex life. And, um, you know, in terms of fantasies, um, what I want to say, and I, I think I said it earlier, is like there's a difference between fantasy and reality. And I work with a lot of couples. You know, I was working with a couple. He was having fantasies about having uh, sex with two women, his partner having a threesome, basically. Uh, and she had had an experience like that in college a bunch of years ago, and it had been really a negative experience for her. And they were kind of fighting about it. But when mm. I got them finally talking to each other in the room, he said that, you know, like, First of all, this was a relationship where he felt like he was finally sexually alive and that they really had this chemistry. And his fantasy um, really involved her. Like, she was the center of the fantasy in a very sexy way. And she actually kind of got a little intrigued and a little turned on by the fantasy. And we were able to create a boundary between having the fantasy and about feeling obligated or asked to, to make it happen. And once you sort of take the reality of doing something off the table and you say, well, let's just enjoy this or let's talk about it or let's mm -hmm. read it or role play it or watch it in some way, uh, then there's a lot of sexiness in there. And, you, don't, you know, before you, you know, sometimes with fantasies, it can feel like, oh, we got to jump into the deep end of something. But there's actually a shallow end, and there's an actually an intermediate part of the pool as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned obligation. That's a big deal in relationships, you know, when it comes to sex. Because one feels like it's sort of an obligation. You know, I think the other one can definitely sense that. On both, on both ends, not just, you know, the woman. You know, when you think of it, it's like, oh, the woman's feeling like she's obligated, like she should. Right. Um, but men right. feel like that, too. And, <clears throat> and, when, and when that happens, I think all bets are off. Absolutely. First of all, everything that's true of women is true of men. Oh, you know, for sure. When I yeah. deal with low desire, um, yeah. low desire relationships, it can be very often the man that has low desire and uh, yep. you know the woman that has low desire. In terms of obligation, here's a question I would ask somebody who feels obligated. Once you're having sex, do you end up enjoying it? Does it end up being a positive experience? If so then your obligation might be a pretty positive reason yeah. um, for having sex and getting yeah. yourself going a little bit. Boy, I feel obligated, yeah. What's that? I said, yeah, I feel obligated. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, you know, if once you're there, it's good. But if, if, if you feel obligated, is it because the sex you're having is bad or mediocre? I agree. Who wants to feel obligated to do something that's, you know, not pleasurable or is painful? Mm -hmm. And that's when you got to get back to talking about that sex script and your sex life in action and what's going to make it work. Exactly. Dr. Ian Kerner, it has been a pleasure and so informative having you on Talk with Francesca this evening. Thanks for joining us. 
My pleasure, Francesca. Thank you. All right. We've got to wrap things up and say goodnight. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you missed part of the show, you can hop on over to my iTunes page. See you next week. Same place, same time. Make it a great week. I wish you-